Hey there. Welcome to episode 11 of the Connect2 podcast. My name is Jeff Cullen. And I'm Mark Hughes. Marcus. Hey, Jeff. Here we are in double digits. Double digits. We are. Phenomenal. And I understand we have some new recording technology being deployed, which is going to make it sound even more melodious and rich. I have spent some time learning how to use uh, audio recording equipment a little bit more in depth. And uh, so we're actually trying to improve the sound quality of what you are favorite people, listeners <laughs> here. So uh, so hopefully the, the sound quality will be distinctly better. Um, we started with last week's episode, or which which will have dropped on August this the 17th. Morning. Yeah, that's This right. morning, we're recording this for next week. Yeah. And um, yeah, so if you have any comments or feedback on the sound quality or things you like, things you don't like, I would love to hear that for our mailbag. Exactly. Speaking of mailbag. Speaking of the mailbag, here, let's have a look. <laughs> Looking in the mailbag, we actually have a physical, uh, it's empty. No, no, no mail again <laughs> this week. Come on, you guys. Send us something. Email. Tweet. A tweet. <laughs> a note on our Facebook page. Yes, which uh, uh, now has links to. We like it. We hate it. <laughs> it's too long. It's too short. It's too exciting. It's too all over the place. It's Whatever. Give us a comment and we will uh, probably ignore it. But nevertheless, <laughs> we would appreciate it very much. No worries. What two things did you learn this week, Jeff? <laughs> all right. I have to dig deep. Well, first of all, I'm taking this 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 great course on, on succession planning, exit planning. But I think that's a little bit more on that, but you know, what? I, I relearned something. I saw this on BBC futures. And as you know, as you know, I think most of us are a little bit aware of climate change and things are getting hotter. This was a whole article on um, ancient Persian cooling technology and how people are rediscovering technology, architectural technology from... Doesn't have anything to do with rugs. 4,000 years so. ago. And I have a book, actually. I, I, reached, I reached out to... I have a book on everything. So I reached <laughs> out to... It's from my old engineering days. But I reached out to a friend of ours who's a, a home builder who does uh, uh, net zero stuff. And, okay. I, and I haven't heard back from him yet, but I just basically said, hey, I think this is cool. You know, if you'd like to have my book, uh, let's talk about it. But basically, it's just using natural convective... Um, currents, and uh, if you ever go to Iran, yeah, um, you'd see that a lot of buildings have these high towers, yeah, and they're not all uh, ziggurats. They're actually what's it? Uh, sorry, see, that's those those uh, Muslim um, spires. Are right? they not some sort of cigarette? Or no, ziggurat. Ziggurat. Right? Okay. Uh, these are actually functional, and the cool air we know drops, so you you create this tower and an interconnected tunnel under the building. And basically the cool air, the wind sort of enters and then the air comes down, goes through the, through the ground, which is Cold. cooler yeah. and throws out, you know, becomes cool. And then you kind of just let it flow back through the building, then up through another tower as it picks up heat. So it's an, it's a non-electric uh, cooling. Now, you know, I don't know that you can get to 62 degrees, but, as things are getting hotter and hotter, you know, if you can drop the temperature 10, 15 degrees without any, any power consumption, well, it's going to be some interesting stuff. Air so. conditioning uses a lot of power. And I mean, anywhere, even in North America, we use a lot of free cooling where you're trying to use just outside air temperature differences right. to improve your, so th that sounds really cool. That's fascinating. Yeah, it's kind of neat stuff. And how so. old is this? 
well, this technology goes back like thousands of years, right? I mean, wow. this is, so it's got me wondering now, what other old tech have we kind of forgotten about that maybe we could solve some problems with? Cleopatra's iPhone. Exactly. <laughs> Leeches for uh, medical procedures, that kind of <laughs> stuff. Anyway, that's, that's, that's the big takeaway. What about you, Mark? That's good. A uh, couple of things. Uh, one is I learned the difference between a nova and a supernova. Oh, are we talking astrophysics here? We are. Okay. So uh, supernova is when a star yes. um, reaches end of its life and basically explodes and destroys right. everything. And then you end up with uh, usually a black hole or yep. a neutron star or something or, or, or nothing at all, actually. Really? Um, yeah. So that's a supernova. Okay. But what's more interesting are these things called nova. All right. Oh, well, I think they're interesting. <laughs> so uh, uh, Nova is with binary stars. You'll have two stars, usually yep. a small um, white dwarf and then a big gaseous, like a red giant. Okay. And they, uh, they, uh, what happens is the small white dwarf actually sucks all the, the excess material. It steals from the, the, the red gi giant and oh, wow. creates this accretion disk. It starts spinning around, interesting, so, and then and then it ignites. So oh. the thing that's different, so like a, yeah, go on. So the thing that's different about a supernova, a supernova obliterates the the right. thing that was there. Yeah, but a nova doesn't. It just blows up the accretion disk, which is this disk of material okay. surrounding. Right, and then it does it again. So a nova S will happen more than once to the same binary pair interesting whereas a supernova only happens once right because and, it's the it's the end of the the star's life cycle and there's not a lot of novas but there well, are some not that many binary star systems probably. that's true and uh but uh but they uh they will often uh some of them will actually regularly have and, and we're talking regularly like every couple hundred years or something like that but they these have been noted for a long time wow so, uh, yeah. So there you go. Nova versus supernova. Go. So you are ready for some trivial pursuit. <laughs> no. That, Science I'm sure, I'm sure category. All the trivial pursuit will be like what is the difference? in the third episode of Big Brother season 215. <laughs> who went home third? Yeah. The, like, the moops. <laughs> well, that's cool. Well, what else is going on? What else did I learn? Um... Well, I knew a little bit about this before, but uh, the founder of Bitcoin, his name is Satoshi Nakamoto. Yes. Is may or may not be a real person in terms of, well, that's a pseudonym. That, right. That, that is not. May or may not name. be alive, apparently. May or may not be alive. Is, uh, was the founder of Bitcoin, wrote the paper. Right. Suggested he was Japanese, but used... He was an incredible native English speaker in mm. terms of his text had a British Mysterious. accent right. to his writing. So okay. his writing style was more of a British style rather yep. than American. Um, and there actually is a guy named uh, Natoshi Nakamoto who w is clearly not, not the, guy, the founder, the founder of, Bitcoin. of Bitcoin. Right. I think he claimed that he might be. 
but it was pretty clear that he, <laughs> it's pretty clear that he didn't have the wherewithal yeah. to actually be this guy. Why not if it'll get just some likes on Facebook? So the thing that's interesting that about it is there is a huge cache of Bitcoin in the wallet of right. this guy and uh, Isn't it's it like, never been touched. I believe it's a million Bitcoin if it's I It's some crazy number right. and which would make him the richest person in the world. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing about Bitcoin that's really interesting is there's this, there's been these big fights that have been going on Bitcoin, right? Because one of the issues is whether or not Bitcoin should be treated like a a stable, intrinsically valued thing that you wouldn't use for a lot of transactions, like gold, right? So something to secure your value, yep. Versus uh, transactional like cash, yes. And um, that fight has been going on for a long time in Bitcoin and. And the other thing with Bitcoin is, uh, originally Bitcoin was all small individuals kind of doing Bitcoin, sure. the Bitcoin community. Yep. Now it's and now there's a corporate. banks yeah. uh, trying to yeah. get in and trying to get involved with it. And it was actually one of the things that was proposed as part of Bitcoin was to prevent monopolization by big right. corporations. Well, so. I, I, I believe his name is Breedlove. There's a guy and I saw him interviewed on, uh, uh, Lex Friedman's podcast, and uh, so Bitcoin could be quite disruptive, right? Oh, yeah. Like it could become this this um, currency that removes power from central banks because it's this uh, fungible. Uh, nobody can really control it. And I what I didn't know is that it's actually going to be a finite amount of it. So whereas central banks can print, I mean, that's why the U.S. government is so powerful, right? They run oh. out of money, print a bunch. More. But Bitcoin, I believe it's 21 million Bitcoin is the upper limit. Yeah, and it becomes harder and harder to mine the closer right. you get to it. And I think 21, and you can only mine so much at a time. So I think it's the year 2100, the last Bitcoin will be mined. Um, it's just phenomenally weird stuff, man. But Bitcoin is, uh, and which is actually why there's other other cryptocurrencies like right. Ethereum is is one of the yeah that, well and, and if you talk my kids are e big into dogecoin well that's a, that's an elon musk <laughs> thing which, musk, which was actually intended to be a bit of a joke right but uh, ethereum is quite serious and it doesn't have the same restrictions or limitations that uh, sure that uh, bitcoin does so but that makes it you know then not a candidate for what the bitcoiners are saying which is that like gold it becomes uh, it's a finite and it has intrinsic value thing, yeah. uh, because there's only so much yeah fascinating well and, and the other thing is that that uh, bitcoin mining is incredibly i mean going back to your first topic oh is very incredibly energy ener consumptive. energy consumptive that's right and it uh, so people will buy these uh graphic cards for computers high-end graphic cards because they have very fast processors and they can use them to mine rather than actually using like a cpu like a regular computer okay. they're actually just right just use modifying graphics, card. graphics cards phenomenal yeah anyway right. so that's uh that's what i learned so go. today we're going to be talking about team building yeah we're talking about team building so you know as as you know my business uh is around leadership development and and business consulting and this just popped into my head a little while ago um mostly because i have a friend who is a uh, team building consultant. And there's a lot of those folks around. And I certainly don't mean to call out those people because I think team building as a process makes a lot of sense. Um, but I shouldn't say, but however, 
um, it just occurred to me that sometimes there's a step, I think, before that, which is building the team. And so I, that's why last week when you asked me what we were going to talk about, I just kind of went, we'll talk about building the team before you do team building. And so the way I understand team building is you you kind of start with the people that you have and you create, you know, exercises and you're trying to improve communication. And there's a whole bunch of tools, mm-hmm. right? Understanding people's styles and, and are you a gold or a blue? And I mean, lots of value to that having better understanding Those personality types. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a little, <laughs> some of them are, some of them are seem to be a little bit less more useful. robust than others. Yes. Right. Some of them are more uh, interesting to the people that are, that are, that, that are getting the test than they are to being able to be used in a. Facility. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean like Migs, Briggs Meyer, for instance, yeah. we used to teach Briggs Meyer all the time. Then there was a bunch of stuff that came out said it was a bunch of, you know, re, you know, it's no good. It's not, um, reliable and now i've been reading some stuff that's kind of walking that back and saying eh, there's actually some validity to it but don't use it for hiring decisions so all these things are a little bit well we used to use um we used one that i thought was really interesting which is the colby um it's a was an index or colby anyway it's a colby test okay and uh the difference between it was and uh like briggs meyer and these these um there's all these different ones the colors yeah 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 i don't even know what all the names are Uh, but uh the colby one was interesting because what it talked about was how you like to work right so it talked about whether or not you were more if you preferred detail oriented or more sure generalist kind of stuff if you were more of an abstract thinker or uh and it was kind of what you preferred right and what the and the main takeaway from colby too is if you were somebody who um so whether you were a risk taker there was like four or five categories right risk taking detail oriented um follow through yep and uh um it was whether or not you were more of an abstract or a, okay or a physical thinker so if you needed to like if you needed things in your hand to be able to see right, how they go right, together right. or if you could visualize it in your sure head. and the ad- advantage was that if you were th- uh more than three steps away okay like it was on a one to ten and there was no wrong answers right but if you were more than three steps away from somebody else on a category you were going to have conflict with that person oh interesting and you needed somebody in between and we found that actually proved correct more than once like all the time oh so interesting. a lot of our okay. admin staff would be right in one or two categories would be one end and then the engineers were at the other end and there was always conflict between them yeah so, but anyway, carry on. Yeah, well, I actually wanted to take it in a slightly different d- direction. I think all of those jobs, you know, skill stuff, there's some real value to that. But I, I'm going to suggest that to build a team, I think the first thing you really should look at is values, core, yeah. right? So lots of companies talk about core values. And and um, so, I mean, you can read Jim Collins is good to great. or And, and there's a lot of academics now, uh, Tom Peters. And I really have become much more convinced that the values is the most important piece. So if you don't have uh, congruence is probably too strong a word. Like you don't want everybody to be exactly the same, but if you don't have enough, um, well, maybe using your example, if you're just too many steps away from the core values uh, in an individual, then I, you know, it doesn't really matter how skilled they are or how good they are a fit to the job, I think ultimately it's always going to be 
uh, problematic. Well, I saw right? I saw that in action, and I would say that you're a hundred percent correct, and that um, the values will drive the organization. So if your values and and you have people that believe in it, the uh, synergy between oh, those synergy, two yes. two uh, concepts, um, the values and the people, it just it just accelerates. Right. Um. And if you have people that are fighting and going in a different direction, it just drags the organization yep. down. No, exactly. So we actually created a tool with with the Basecamp Four program. Oh, cool. And um, so sort of a two step thing, and and this is kind of fun because a lot of owners and managers get pretty uncomfortable with the second half, but basically it works like this. So first we'll, and a lot of consultants will do this values exercise, right? You work with an owner and you take them through and, and like legitimately do a job. Cause a lot of people throw stuff out like hey, profitability is our value. It's like, no, 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 that's not a value. Right? So whatever the values are, the second part of the tool is that we will have them assess everybody on their team to see if they have the same values to see how well or a fit now obviously when you're recruiting that's a great tool right but it gets pretty interesting when people are evaluating long-term employees and then realizing they don't have the right oh values. my god it's a values misfit right well and, and the other thing say, is well, sometimes you have uh top performers so people that are doing well in terms of generating business or uh, bringing in business but they don't believe in any of your values and uh, that is hugely problematic. Absolutely. Yep. Because uh, because you're sitting here going like, well, Bob is really good at bringing in the business, so uh, we can't get rid of him. Well, I, I, I know from personal experience, you know, your organization will survive right. and will actually uh, thrive if you can actually find people who, that, that match your, yeah. your values. Absolutely. So that's an argument that I hear all the time. And, I, you know, it's not an easy thing to do. Right. So sometimes people say, well, you know, what should we do? Or one of the great questions is like, well, how many misfits of values, you know, should we allow and, and keep somebody? None. <laughs> I always look at them and say, well, let's just think about it. Let's deconstruct that. Right. So if your value is honesty and one of your, let's say it's a key person scores really low, you know, are you saying that you're willing to accept like perpetual dishonesty? dishonesty? Yeah. And when you put it that way, then people kind of like, no, I guess not, right? Well, so but I it's think, it's very, very sobering when people do that. But I, I think one of the real problems is uh is is that even from a values perspective, like it takes time to make sure you understand what your actual values are. And so for example, oh, absolutely, yes. We had a set of values for our organization and they were great. They were <laughs> awesome, they were very powerful for us. Right. What was really apparent too is we had a, a, a an extra one that we didn't realize. Oh, interesting. And so when we uh, when we merged with another company, yes, they had. I remember that they you know there was a lot of work trying to come up with new values. They didn't really have you know they believed them, and it was it was for uh, marketing purposes and sure. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah Initially yeah. for them, uh, but one of the values that was clearly missing from from what we had was uh, transparency. So for us, you know, being able to tell people what was right. going on and knowing what was going on, kind of that honesty and transparency about what you're doing. Yes. Um, clearly was not one of the values as we discovered because we were just so used to it in everybody. So yep. it was a value that everybody had. So we didn't acknowledge it or recognize it as being 
of value. Right. Well, I remember we were working on that together. And at the time I thought, this is a Quebec-based company. And so there is this cultural uh, thing called power distance. And I think we sometimes don't appreciate that Quebec's a little bit, a little bit more like Latin America still, right? There's still, really, yeah, in, in some respects, I think deep down there's still more of this, the boss is the boss kind of thing. Oh, for sure. And, and I think that's probably partly what can, you know, contributed thinking about it afterwards, because I think here out in Western Canada, we've adopted more of this egalitarian, not everywhere. Right. But this idea, whereas in Quebec, I think it's similar to in certain Latin American uh, cultures where like the owner is somehow seen as a cut above. Right. Absolutely. And so I think unconsciously deeply baked in to them might've been this idea that, well, we don't share we don't share information. Everything with the, the little people, oh, right? Absolutely. So, but bottom line conclusion is, yes, once you have a team, team building stuff has a lot of value. But if you can take it back even to that first level and, and build a team. Based on your value. And yes, skills and abilities, all that stuff's important. But starting from that, that, that cornerstone of, are these folks aligned with what, the organization believes in, you know, whether it be innovation or egalitarian um, ways of looking at things or diversity or transparency, because ultimately you can train people on how to think you can train people on how to do things. But it's very hard to, to, to change somebody's value set. Yeah. Right? So, it's, I mean, you can tolerate uh, an underperformer who has your values because you can, teach them how to be a better yeah, performer exactly but you can't tolerate somebody who is a good performer and undermines your values at every stroke well that's right they just create like an chaos endless amount they're of, like a cancer yeah exactly yeah so there you go well it's, I, I i i haven't really thought about that for a while but i appreciate that well there it's kind of go. one of the things when i started my photography business i tried to identify what or what are my values right so um so that's been that's been one of the things for me because i do have some people who are, who are doing some work for me so how am i going to treat them and what do i expect sure. from them? so it's quite interesting there you go now yeah. you're you're not rejecting digital for old school film that could be an interesting photographer no value. I, no no. I only do daguerreotype. <laughs> daguerreotype, <laughs> daguerreotype, there is a market for that. And, uh, but it is, it's uh, pretty niche. It's very niche, <laughs> but you can charge a premium. So but here's anyway. your copper plate. <laughs> I think it's, uh, it's aluminum. Oh, is it? Okay. Uh, it's, 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 it's a, it's a silver metal. So it might I've, be, a... I've reached the limit of my knowledge. <laughs> there you go. Okay. <laughs> okay. So what media are you consuming this week? Ah, uh, you know what? Um, started season two of Lower Decks. Oh, I, uh, I how did Crave? you like season one? I loved season one. Okay, I've so, not, I've, I've, so Lower Decks is a, it's a animated series that is kind of, a, not a spoof, but. Oh no, it's pure, pure Star Trek. But it's a Star it's Trek. pure uh, Star Trek. But it is a, a different perspective. Well, it's for people who we talked about this a couple of weeks ago who feel that the new star Trek, which is grittier and more conflict based. Don't like it. Lower decks is, is pure continuation of the next gen. Right. Okay. So the aesthetic is, uh, and so fan 
fanboys and girls love the show because they are spending a lot of time on Easter eggs and like getting the details right and and just stuff that really geeky people will pick out and be like, oh, uh, like in season one, they were at a bazaar and they had like a Klingon booth, right? Just like like some outdoor and people were able to pick out, oh, they had weapons from like this episode of, you know, original season. And that was a, a JJ verse phaser, right? Oh, and that's so, kind of interesting. So you can tell that the people who are creating this paying care, attention, yeah. care a lot about the details, right? Um, but it's fun for the casual fan too. So kids like it. My wife likes it. Uh, you know, well, I like I'd it, say though. they're moderate Star Star Trek people, and I I love it, of course. So. Well, I like in that like there's lots of uh, lots of people who uh, pick out those same kind of details, like in the MCU, right? Uh, uni- in the MCU universe with uh, all these superhero movies, and then they'll right. pick out, oh, look at this character, and there's this Easter egg, and how many Easter eggs were in this episode exactly. of Loki? See, I love that stuff. Now that's my other. Uh, we watched the first episode of what if, which is the new Marvel show. Yeah. And, I watched uh, that too. It was what very did you interesting. Think? I think it ties in incredibly well to the, uh, to the, to, to the Loki series in particular. Yeah. And this, uh, this, this, they're pushing this concept of this multiverse the multiverse. Yeah. The new, everything the new is Spider-Man, the, the new Dr. Strange. I liked it too. I have to say I'm getting a little bit frustrated with um, you reference some of these YouTube channels. There's so many people who are just so angry all the time. So there's a lot of complaints about, Oh, you know, they've they made a woman captain America and they made her all butch. And, and I just think it's comic book based stuff. Like just relax. Right. Like it's not, it, these are the same people who, who, who lose their mind over. Yeah. Some of the star Wars movies were, disappointing but you know you don't have to feel i don't see why it should somehow ruin your childhood right but some of these folks are just so entrenched in in it's not like it used to be in and and i thought eh it's a 22 minute animated marvel cartoon (laughs) and it's called what if i mean it's like it's it that's that's the premise and the and they've got Jeffrey Wright is the uh, the overall narrator, and he's, okay. he's the one of the watchers. Oh, Uawatu, I think the watcher. Uh, Uawatu, yes, yes, that's right. So I thought it was just it's for exactly what it is, a Disney-based cartoon about the Marvel universe. Can't get too upset when just bigger problems in the world. But you know, hey, maybe that'll generate some hate mail. That'd be fun. <laughs> Anyway, bring it on <laughs> what okay. about you uh i've been watching the bad batch oh yeah which star is wars. Uh, star wars i can't remember why i specifically thought it was interesting but uh <laughs> well no i went because i was never really interested in the clone wars stuff um, right and I, not for any particular reason i just never watched it and sure. uh but I don't mind this Bad okay. Batch. I quite like the characters. There's some definite, uh, even though they've got these odd-looking animation, uh, very much in the same style as totally in the same. Uh, I mean, Clone Wars, right? Well, they these these guys are Clone right. Warriors. It's Dave Filoni and and I don't know who the actors are. No, no, but he's the uh, he's the executive producer. Filoni okay. and and uh, uh, what's his name, John Favreau. 
are, okay. are like the guys, right? It, it's uh, but it's it's a good story, cool, because it's basically a anyway, it's a bunch of clone warriors who are who are designed to be different than the regular clones, okay, and uh, that difference has been their strength. It also has been meant that because uh, it, it all starts at the particular point in time, and I'm not really giving anything away, but okay. when the uh, clones are ordered to turn on the Jedi. Ah, General um, Order 66. That's it. So uh, these guys, their order, General Order 66, didn't work for them. Oh, they rejected so, so that's uh, why they're the bad batch. So they're, they're the bad batch. and But actually, uh, the good guys. So they're, and they're having oh, a hard time. I with, was kind of wondering. Yeah. So that's, uh, so that's exactly the moment in time when this starts. starts. Nice. So it, it ties in really well with the Star Wars yeah. universe. Do they all have Kiwi accents like the rest of the clones? Or? Some of them do. Uh, some of them sort of south african maybe okay but that definitely yeah, they all have that. accents so cool oh anyway, good so that's it there you go um and uh so uh rate review and subscribe uh, yep. like us on itunes send us some mail send us some mail at uh, connect to podcast at gmail.com correct connect to the number Ooh. two yes numeral two and uh, you can also uh, send something to our Facebook page. There you go. Connect to podcast. Send us a picture of your dog. How's that? <laughs> yeah, dog that'll would get be some. Good. That'll get some response. Excellent. Your dog okay. wearing a hat. Okay. All so, right. Oh well, we'll talk to you next week, Jeff. Sounds good, man. See you. Bye bye. Yeah. Bye. Mm-hmm.